What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Creating Madness. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, per usual, Ethan Carboni. Ethan, what's going on on this fine Sunday morning? Not much. Two months, actually not even two months away from college basketball tip-off. It's a great time of the year. How are you? I'm doing pretty well myself. Really excited for that time of the year. Um, coming, coming, Coming to you guys later this week or next weekend, we should be starting our college basketball conference previews for the Power Six and a few other conferences. So that's really exciting. And today we're going to have an episode based around, you know, the players we want to see, players we're most excited for. So a pretty fun, light episode, just so you guys can get some content before we start really ramping it up here. Um, but before we get into those players we want to see, Ethan, do you want to go over our socials? At A2R Madness, as always, on Twitter. And just quick apology, school's been kicking both of our butts. We haven't been able to get the episodes out the past couple of weeks that we would have wanted to, as well as not being overall active on Twitter. By the time college basketball season starts, we will be more active on Twitter, but we are going to do our weekly episode. That's a promise. Yep. From here on out. Yep. That's just an apology from us. Yeah, I'm in my senior year. Ethan's just starting his freshman year of college. Both of us are going through a pretty hectic time, but we're going to be able to figure it out coming here pretty soon. We're both being pretty active, and it's going to be all good. So. Not to worry for those who are asking, um, but we will be back, so get ready for that. But without further ado, let's get started with this, ep- this episode and see what players we're most interested in watching. So I think I'll take the liberty of going first. Um, the first player I'm looking forward to watching is Marcus Sasser of Houston. This was by far Houston's best player last season before suffering an ACL injury pretty early in the season. He did not even make it to conference play. And the fact that Houston was as good as they were last year, getting into the Elite Eight, you know, being a team that everyone was scared of without their objective best player is insane to me. And considering the fact they're returning a lot of what they had last year, especially in their guard spots, this team is going to be crazy deep and they're going to be spearheaded by one of the best players in college basketball period in Marcus Sasser. He's a phenomenal scorer and when he is feeling too much pressure, he's also has the ability to pass like some of the best in the business. Um his defense is top notch considering the fact that he's being coached by Kelvin Sampson. So he's just an unbelievably fun player to watch and he should be able to lead Houston to a really, really, really productive season, maybe even national championship based on the betting odds, because as of right now they're the favorites to win the national championship, which doesn't necessarily surprise me considering how good Marcus is. So with Marcus Sasser, coming off an injury, obviously, he's had a good chunk of time to recover, but do you think he'll return to peak Sasser form? I think he will, because based on the modern advancements in medicine, you know, it's not like these ACL injuries are career-threatening anymore. I mean, obviously you're scared from it takes a really long time to rehab, but in terms of is his career done yet? I don't think so. I think Marcus Sasser is going to come back and be the same old guy we knew, maybe even better, because some people like Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson come back from these injuries and they look almost better with their refined skills. So maybe he loses a touch of athleticism, but I think in terms of the player he'll be, I think he'll be right back to where he was. That's a good question, though. I'm excited to watch Houston this year for sure. I mean, I know you took Sasser from me. Sasser is definitely probably going to be one of my favorite players to watch. But I went with a different route for my first player to choose. I chose Chris Murray from Iowa in the Hawkeyes. Okay. So, obviously, we all know about Keegan Murray's breakout top five pick 
in the NBA draft. Absolutely lit it up for Iowa last year, just falling short of a Big Ten championship. Thank you, Wisconsin and Illinois. But Chris Murray showed flashes off the bench, and when he did start, he he can play in the post. He can shoot the mid-range if needed. He can shoot the three. He plays good defense, very lengthy forward. Overall, I think Chris Murray could – everyone thinks he could take the leap to be Big Ten Player of the Year. This is where I'm curious. Are we really going to sit here and just say just because one brother did it, the next one can too? I think the cameras and the bright lights are going to be on him, so I want to see how he handles that because he's going to be number one in their system this year for the first time. And I'm not sure about you, John, but usually when a new player takes over that number one role, they don't necessarily start off to the, the hottest hand just yet. So I want to see how he grows over the season and what he turns into. It's a very fair assessment. So you briefly talked about, you know, taking the next leap for him. In terms of skill development, what do you think will take him from being where he is as a player to being, you know, that elite guy, maybe even like his brother? So for Chris Murray, my thing is he – last year he got a solid amount of playing time, about 18 minutes per game. Nothing too crazy. However, in those 18 minutes, he was able to shoot the ball fairly well, forty-eight, about 48 and 39 shooting splits from the field in three, as well as on defense getting a block and a steal almost. I think that his minutes are going to obviously increase, maybe not double to a point, but I think he's going to get a much higher shooting volume. I think he's going to be playing against either – smaller power forwards or bigger centers depending on who and I think it's going to well to take advantage with his body type I think it's really just going to be it's going to determine what he does if he can just continue his shooting because it's been incredible that sounds like a pretty fair assessment so Looking for Keegan or looking for Chris Murray, sorry, to improve his shooting. And if he does, along with his playing time, of course, then, you know, I think Ethan can feel pretty good, as do I. Um, moving to the second player, I'm ready to watch for, you know, some might call this a basic play. Others might call it, you know, unoriginal, but in pure honesty, I'm so excited to see if this player can live up to the hype. Everything that's been happening around him, the NIL deals, the coverage, the predictions. Uh, my number two is Armando Baycott. So, obviously, for anyone that's watched college basketball, especially in the tournament last season, North Carolina went on a miracle run as the eight seed. They went to the national championship, beat Duke in the final four, came close to winning the national championship against Kansas, didn't get it done, but still a phenomenal run. And this was spearheaded by the play of Armando Baycott. Now, obviously, he wasn't like the star star player. It wasn't like he was the definitive best player, but he was this team's leader. He got injured, came back still played well, you know, did his job by getting a ton of rebounds, getting a ton of close shots around the basket, playing good defense, missing his free throws per usual. (laughs) But his development as a player over this summer could mean this team would be maybe in the same spot they were last year or in a much better position than they already were, which is already really good considering they're being consistently ranked in the top five for preseason rankings. I believe Varmento Baycott, 
can work on his jump shooting, as in not shooting 50% from the free throw line in NCAA tournament play and being able to have a mid-range presence as opposed to being, you know, a non-optimal floor spacer, this guy could take North Carolina, again, from where they were to a national championship contender immediately because he has the potential to be one of the best players in college basketball if he can just shoot it a little bit. He couldn't last season, but, you know, you got a whole summer's worth of work with the North Carolina training staff. I believe he can make the jump because he's improved every season he's played. I will say I do agree. I would love to watch. I'm excited to watch the second best center in NCAA play basketball this year. That should be a lot of fun. Who are you referencing as number one? The national player of the year that is returning. Okay. Oscar Shibley. I don't necessarily agree with that take. He got a high volume, and in that high volume, he dominated. He won the National Player of the Year, which usually would lead to NBA right away. He is returning for another year at the University of Kentucky. Okay. Calipari has a way over the past decade. Whether that turns into March Madness success. Yes or no? I understand both sides. Seeing as they have not gone very However, looking ahead to this year, Oscar is ha- Oscar has one of the best passing guards on his team. He has a couple of them. He has another potential breakout player. And he's riding National Player of the Year season playing just 32 minutes a game. In those, he was able to grab 15 boards as well is shut down any defender. So I'm looking at this season as the possibility that he's going to be the best player in the SEC for sure. And then you go to the country level, well, there will be competition. I think Oscar Shibway goes back-to-back. Wow. So you're predicting back-to-back. That's, that's a pretty bold statement. But I'm excited to see if that comes to fruition. So is he your breakout player? I'd say Chris... I'd say he's not my breakout player. I think he's already broken out. I think he's just going to dominate yet again. So you're excited, okay, so you're excited to watch him. That's, you know, it's pretty predictable once again. But, guys, you know, these are two of the best players that we've seen in a while. So yeah, we have some pretty lofty expectations for how they're going to play. <laughs> All right. Moving into my final player of – who I'm excited to watch. Obviously, there are more, but, you know, we each got our three that we're most willing to talk about. This might sound like some hometown bias. Ethan might know where I'm going with this, but this is one of the most slept-on players coming into this year that nobody is talking about, and I think this guy needs a lot more love than he's being shown, is Tyrese Hunter. This guy was unbelievable in the Big 12, won Big 12 Freshman Player of the Year, and it really wasn't close and was on the Big 12 all first team for basketball as a freshman at Iowa State. And he comes home to Texas, transfers because of Coach Beard's recruiting magic, and now he's in Austin. And I think the reason why people are sleeping on him a lot is because Texas has a ridiculously loaded backcourt. There's a lot of talent trying to get minutes, which isn't necessarily a bad thing for the Longhorns. But he's kind of being lost in the mix with Marcus Carr, Terry Morris, all these other guys who, you know, 
are very high-level players. But I can assure you, Tyrese Hunter will be starting. Tyrese Hunter will be getting starters minutes, and he will be contributing to this team at a high level because this guy last year was pretty much unguardable in the tournament. And when you consider the fact that he was doing a lot of the work in the tournament to get Iowa State to where they were, I believe it was an Elite Eight. If I'm not wrong, it was a Sweet 16, but they definitely made it to the second weekend. Um, he's going to be a phenomenal asset for this team because not to mention, or I've already mentioned that Texas's front court is very, sorry, backcourt's very good this year. Their front court is also underrated. Uh, obviously, there's a top five talent coming in, Dylan Mitchell. We have returners and Christian Bishop, guys coming off the bench and Dylan DeSue. There's some talent on this team, and he's going to be able to play with all of that. So he may not put up as many points on the scoreboard, but his contribution is going to be insane considering that, you know, we all know that as players get older, they get less good in college basketball. He was a freshman last year, so his jump could be insane. I mean, we've obviously seen guys who have made the freshman to, you know, sophomore jump and been absolutely electric. I mean, guys like John Morant, for instance, you know, these are guys who take one summer and go from being a very good player to an elite talent. And I could totally see this with Tyrese Hunter. And that's why I'm so excited to watch him. Obviously, he's going to be along. He's going to be putting on that Texas jersey. So that's already a contributing factor. But considering that no one's talking about his jump and he was already as good as he was last year, he is a player that I'm looking at as a guy who can really turn some heads because his potential is insane. So you mentioned him getting starters minutes. What's starters minutes to you on this Texas team? So that's, that's a good question considering our guard depth. Again, we have guys like Arteria Morris, Marcus Carr, Rowan Brumbaugh, just to name a few, Alexander Nekwe, that are all competing for minutes at the guard's butt. Coach Beard did a really good job of getting players um, from our backcourt. And, you know, there might be a little too much talent. For starters minutes on this team, I'm looking at minutes in the mid-20s. So I'm looking at him getting around 25, 24, 26, especially as the season gets um, longer, maybe even more, maybe even less, depending on how the rest of our depth is doing. But this is a guy who needs to be playing over 20 minutes a game for sure. 30 is a little excessive because we have the depth to get more guys in, but he should be getting around the mid-20s level of minutes. So last year, Texas ran about a 9-10 to 10 man rotation. What do you say that's going to be the same this year? Yes. I mean, in our backcourt, we have, let's see, probably five guys who could get Legitimate minutes, we got, you know, Arterio Morris. Not in any particular order. Arterio Morris, Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter, Alexander Nekwe, Sir Jabari Prince-Rice. Got a lot of guys who get minutes. And then our front court, Dylan Mitchell, Dylan DeSue, Christian Bishop. Might be forgetting some other guys. It's going to make me angry later. But I can see realistically those three guys getting a lot of minutes. And I... I'm forgetting someone else. Oh, and Timmy Allen. Good Lord. I forgot about Timmy Allen. That would have been, that would have been really bad. Um, so that I could see those nine guys and then maybe another person. We have a good team. We have a good team this year. But the player that no one's talking about, though, everyone's talking about Marcus Carr. Everyone's talking about Dylan Mitchell. Everyone's talking about Arterio. No one's talking about Tyrese Hunter. And that player should arguably be most talked about. So I'm really excited to see what he does. I agree. I think that... This is going to be an interesting experiment for Texas. 
does the NIL payout get you wins? That's does the NIL payout get you wins? That's going to be an interesting experiment for Texas. I think it will. That's one of my big problems at NIL. It's kind of pay to win, but I'm not necessarily complaining as a Texas fan, but we'll talk about it in another episode because that's an interesting topic. But, Ethan, let's move into your final player that you're excited to, to watch. So, mine, unlike John, I did not go for one of my team. I'm not going to be as predictable as him today. Wow. Wow. That's a sneak disc, guys. So, Cam Whitmore of Villanova, the five-star freshman. Ooh. Or four-star, depending on whatever site you look at. But I think after what we saw this past summer at FIBA, I think that it is a five-star. Is the correct wording to call him. Is he killed it. I don't think there was a single player in the rest of the world at his age that could stop him. And I'll be, yes, this is kids about 19, 18 years old. And that especially the Big East have to deal with playing against guys a couple years older than him. Cam Whitmore is the perfect forward. He can do it all. He can score, pass, rebound, play defense, run the court. He's almost the perfect player for college basketball or basketball as a whole. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if perfect goes by that statement because I don't know if we've seen a perfect player yet, but he has the skills to contribute in every area. I'm messing with you, by the way. I I understand understand what you meant by perfect, but yes, he does have a well-rounded skill set. And he will be a very big contributor to the Villanova team, considering we don't know what Coach Neptune's going to do. Coach Neptune could have a completely different scheme in than Coach Wright. So we'll see what his role is, but he could, be, he could play a lot because he can do a lot of things in the court. I'm excited to watch it. I mean, we're seeing Villanova have a top-tier recruit with talent to start right away, something that Villanova... When's the last time Villanova started a true freshman, John? Can you think of that off the top of your head? No. There is kind of a true freshman that I can remember. I feel like my guess would be Jalen Brunson, to be honest with you. Jalen Brunson. Yeah, Jalen Brunson. Uh, he started 39 games his freshman year out of 40. Okay, Jalen. It's pretty impressive. He'll, he'll, he averaged 24 minutes a game, but yeah, his freshman year, Jalen Brunson, that would be, that's my guess. Obviously, that was 2016. There's a few years in between now and 2016, so I could be wrong. We're all if, you guys don't, if you guys don't remember, for those who may not been paying attention to college basketball during that period, Jalen Brunson was that guy for a while, so you know, if Cam Whitmore's starting, it's pretty lofty expectations for what the player he's going to be his freshman year. So what he's saying is we have a really special player on our hands potentially, and Cam Whitmore can, can maybe live up to it. Indeed. And, John, I think that's all we have for today's episode. Yeah, we wanted to keep this one light, keep this one fun, just go over some players that we're interested in, 
maybe you guys are interested in. If you guys have a player that we didn't go over that you feel we need to go over, please let us know on Twitter or Instagram. That should get us right back in the swing of things in terms of us getting on the app. So if you guys have any suggestions, please let us know there. Outside of that, thank you guys for watching. 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 Uh, wow, I'm, I'm off today. Listening because you can't watch us because we're in a podcast. <laughs> um, we should see you guys either sometime this week or ne- this next weekend. So, again, thank you for listening, and have a good rest of your week. <laughs>Sasser, you're going along with the team that has Jamal Sheed, Tremont Mark, and that, that's just their guards. And then you bring in five-star Jairus the best recruit in Houston history? Wow, I did not know that. I'm excited to watch this just for the simple fact that this could be Kelvin Sampson's best team ever at and Houston. Considering a Final Four and Elite Eight appearance in the last three years. Exactly. Um. Yeah, I completely agree. I think there is no one that can beat Houston in terms of talent, coaching, depth, potential. I think they've got the easy number one spot locked up. Uh, I did not know that Jairus Walker was the number one recruit in Houston history, and the reason why I found that so intriguing is that this team has had Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler on the same team before, and considering that Jairus Walker's a more highly touted recruit than both of them is it's pretty insane. So, well, well, to be very fair, I'm pretty sure that two four seven 
front back. But... That is fair, but there were still rankings, and I don't think they could have ranked Hakeem properly because he's from Africa. But, you know, Jairus Walker is a more highly recruit, touted recruit than Clyde Drexler, which is pretty impressive. So Houston's got their guy in Jairus Walker and Marcus Sasser. That's going to be a really unguardable duo. One other guy that I'd like to mention is uh, Beaumont United star Terrence Akronel. Uh, led, te- led his high school team to a Texas 6A state championship and was unguardable on the EYBL tour. EYBL tour. So he's also going to be getting some minutes at that loaded <clears throat> at that loaded backcourt spot for this team. <clears throat> Sorry. And Houston should usually be the number one team in the AAC and make a tournament run again. Uh, Ethan, this is where it starts to get a little contested. Who do you think is the second best team in the AAC? So this is tough, and you know how much after last year I would have hated to say this, but I actually believe in Penny Hardaway in Memphis. That Penny Hardaway realizes that you can't put it all on the players to do everything that's going to come with coaching. Hell, Duff Gonzaga? Yeah. And truthfully, I think it starts with Kendrick Davis. You have Kendrick Davis coming in from conference rival SMU. And if it weren't for Marcus Sasser, he would be the best point in this conference. Top five point guard in the country, too. Exactly. The AAC has two top five point guards in the country. When's the last time an American Athletic Conference can say that? Never. Then you have Alex Olmax, DeAndre Williams, who have been at Memphis for a while. Was an all AAC team member last year, either first or second. I'm not exactly sure. And then you add. It's going to be tough because you have Demario Franklin, Elijah McCadden. However, they did not bring in any top tier transfers aside from Davis. It's going to be slightly hard for this Memphis team to play for a 40-minute game, in my opinion, at least. It's going to really rely on, can they get a big enough lead in the first half to close out the second with some sloppy? That's a pretty fair assessment of this Memphis team. Funny enough, I actually have them at second as well. Um, I think Kendrick Davis is really going to cause this team to play a lot less sloppy. He was very good at protecting the ball at SMU, and that's arguably Memphis's biggest weakness is ball security. They turned the ball over almost more than any other team in the country last season, and they really struggled with that against Gonzaga. If they could have kept those turnovers down, they probably would have won the game. So I think that adding Kendrick Davis to this team is really going to slow everything down, limit turnovers, and have a more fluid offense. Uh, they did add some solid transfers. They got Emmanuel Acott from Boise State, who contributed nicely to a team la- who that team last season. Who's just pretty- to correct you there, they almost got Emmanuel Acott. He decided to pull it back in the transfer portal and go to Western Kentucky. That's why I didn't mention him. Oh God, I didn't even know that. On the website I was reading, he was still committed there, so that's yeah, important. I saw. I think I looked at that exact website. I'm like, wait, I know this isn't true, so I have to find a different one to do my research. It's crazy. But, hey, the transfer portal changed, so. Dude, the transfer portal sucks. Hey, we have this discussion in another episode, but, yeah. yeah. Emmanuel yeah. Acott, List Memphis, is still going to be the second 
in the American Athletic Conference. Yeah. Well, they also got another transfer. They got Keontae Kennedy from UTEP, who contributed nicely from the three-point line. UTEP wasn't particularly good, but he was their best player, so he should, you know, be able to contribute some at Memphis. Um, DeAndre Williams, as Ethan said, is a phenomenal big man. I think that he didn't get enough touches last year due to the fact they had Jalen Duran, Imani Bates, Landers Noli, all these other players. But now that he's going to finally have a distinct role on this team, his scoring and rebounding output should increase mightily. I mean, considering that on the same team as Jalen Duran, he averaged 11 points and six rebounds, means that he's going to have a lot more touches this year. And they have a really good inside-out trio. Also, as Ethan said, depth is a really big problem for this team. I think they have a really solid starting five, maybe another one or two guys off the bench. But in terms of who Penny Hardaway can reliably run on the floor, that number is limited. So I think that you know the comment Ethan made about having a big first half out of Memphis is going to be really critical. Although Kendrick Davis is a great point guard and they're not going to play a sloppy under him, it's still going to be a tough fit trying to work this unit out with only six or seven guys. So I think Memphis is still the second best team despite you know all their errors. They have length as well, which a lot of other teams and the American Athletic don't have. They have crazy length. And I think this team can make the tournament again, to be honest with you. They might have less they might have as might have as not uh, might not have as much talent as last year, but I think they have a more well rounded unit. To be completely honest with you, John, I only see three teams in this that I think could make the tournament. I have four, but one of them's a sleeper. Who is your who is your third? Cincinnati. The Bears. Okay. You return David DeJulius. You return Jeremiah Davenport, John Newman, Mike Woods, as well as I know you mentioned Landers Nolly. I mean, yeah, I meant to say Alex Lomax, but yeah, Landers Nolly transferred to Cincinnati. Exactly. You also add Big Shot Rob Fantasy from Indiana. Big Shot Rob. He'll shoot 30% the entire game. He'll hit, hit that one clutch three with a minute left in the fourth. If he ever gets to a quarter play, he is. Runs two halves, which is ridiculous, but that's another conversation for another day. But yeah, Cincinnati has... They have a really good team. They return some good players. They bring in some good players. And this might be the year, depending on what the hell happens with Xavier, that Cincinnati can beat Xavier. Especially with Zach Fremantle being suspended for who knows how long. So, that's another conversation for later. But, yeah, I got Cincinnati in third. I could see him going second, not first, but when it comes to the tournament, who knows? I promise you guys, Ethan and I did not prep for this together. I also have Cincinnati at third with the potential of going up to second. <laughs> Funny enough, this team was phenomenal defense last season. Let's get that out of the way. This team was top 20 nationally in effective field goal defense and two-point defense. Um, but when it came to actually putting the ball in the basket with their team, they really weren't that good at it at all. Um, Jeremiah Davenport's going to be, you know, a great resource in terms of actually, you know, doing that again. I think he averaged 14 points per game last season, so he's going to be an automatic contributor. Um, Landers Noli also helps. He was a explosive scorer for Memphis. wasn't particularly efficient, but if he can be coached properly, you know, maybe we can see something. 
Uh, Kalu Zibke, or Zeke from Old Dominion was also a pretty solid scorer there and rebounder, so he may be able to get some minutes at the forward spot. And overall, this team is starting to improve offensively, and that means if they you know, can actually have an effective offense this season, I could easily see them being the second-best team in the conference as well as being a tournament team. They have the experience with guys like Davenport, who's going to be all AAC this year. They have Landers Nolly. They have some guys from other big conferences. And if they can put all their pieces together, then I think they can you know, potentially make a tournament run. So I'm really excited to see what this what the Cincinnati team can do. And I want to talk about one more other team in the AAC that I could see making the tournament. I don't know if you agree with me when I say this, Ethan. I, it depends which one because I have another one that I could see making a run in conference tournament. And if we have the exact same one here, I'm going to die laughing. Do you have Tulane? Oh my god. god. We did not prep for this together. We prepped separately. This is a complete coincidence that we have the exact same tier list rankings with the exact same analysis on every team. This is a complete coincidence. So I'm sure you agree. The fact that Jalen Cook stayed along, they have their top four scorers returning. And then you have a guy as a freshman who averaged 18 points. A- yes. This, this Tulane team is going to be fun to watch. I'll just let you do your analysis. I'm just going to sit back here and enjoy the fact that I actually agree on something. We completely agree on our, our assessment of the AAC. It's just, this is a really funny episode. So Tulane as Ethan said, returns a lot of talent. Uh, Jaden Coleman shot 42% from three last season. He only had six points per game, but his role should expand. We got Jalen Cook, first team all AAC last year. For God knows a reason, decided to stay at Tulane with Coach Ron Hunter. He averaged 18 points per game on good defense, so he's going to be really fun to watch. And you also have Jalen Forbes, who averaged 17 points per game, so combined around 35 points per game out of those guys. And then you add back Kevin Cross, who averaged 14 points per game and seven rebounds per game for this team at the forward spot. So you might be thinking, how did this team only finish 14-15 last season? Well, Coach Ron Hunter, you know, as much as as good he's uh, as good at offense as he is, his defensive coaching, I, I guess, is just is just nothing. I guess they only focus on offense. If this team can figure out how to play some defense, they probably would go from 14-15 in this conference with the potential of going like 25-9. and nine. I mean, I'm ser- I seriously think this team is the best offense in the AAC. This is considering Houston, but they just have to figure out how to stop people on defense. So this team, on in my opinion, has the most potential outside of Houston, but they also have the easiest road to being right back at 500, or in this case – below 500 like they were last season but I'm really excited to see what Tulane can do I mean they have four guys who can really score the ball they have depth they have an experienced coach in Ron Hunter who has made the tournament before and has won a game in the tournament before with his son Ron Hunter Jr. hitting the craziest shot I've seen in my lifetime outside of the national championship buzzer beater and I don't know I'm just really excited to watch this this Tulane team you know, and in terms of other teams, I could, I can't really see any, any other teams making the tournament unless they just completely prove Ethan and I wrong. Maybe UCF, they got some nice signings and they have an experienced coach, but I don't see them making the tournament. But Tulane, man. 
so much potential, also a lot of butts potential. So that's that's my analysis on them. John, do you remember when I was doing my top seventy five in the country for Kings and I had Tulane inside the top fifty and you were questioning me? Yes. That's because I had looked into Tulane. I only knew they finished 14-15, and they had one good player, and I was questioning you. But they could be inside the top 50. They could also be outside the top 100, and I could just laugh in your face if that happens. But I want to see Tulane win because this team, if they put all the pieces together, will be the second-best team in the AAC. And I think based on how much scoring talent they have, maybe potentially first. But you never know uh, with Coach Ron Hunter – He's been on crazy turnarounds before, and he's also, you know, left Georgia State because they weren't winning enough. So you never know. But is it wrong for me to say that Tulane might be the best team in Louisiana? Oh no! I mean, they're not. I mean, I mean, who's their competition? As what exactly? And that's they're going up against the SEC. Yeah, record-wise, Tulane is going to be better than them, especially. I know Gonzaga added Efton Reed from LSU. Yep. And they lost a lot of talent in the draft. No, LSU, in the transfer portal, their entire roster, with the exception of one player. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, maybe. I mean, this is still a Power 5 school, Power 6 school, but... There is potential for this. I mean, you never know with Northwest Louisiana State, though. <sighs> and with that, I think we got to move into our MVP of the conference. If either of us, if we don't agree on this, then I will be even. Yeah. Marcus One, Sasser. two, three, Marcus Sasser. Yeah, that's that's our guy. I mean, considering he missed all of last season with an ACL injury and the year before that, or actually that season, he didn't miss all of last season. My bad. He missed four fifths of last season. But in that first fifth, he was looking like a potential player of the year candidate. Before then, he led Houston really deep into the tournament with not the most experience on his team. And he finally proved why Kelvin Sampson's a phenomenal recruiter. So if he plays anything like he did last season or better, he will be drafted very highly and Houston will go very far in the tournament. That seem like a fair assessment, Ethan? That seems very fair. Although I will say they're not winning March Madness. Yeah, you never know. You never, it's March Madness. The only, only reason I'm saying that is because when's the last time a beginning of the season favorite won? Yeah, you're right. I think the last time was when Anthony Davis was in school. <laughs> Jalo before, I have no idea. All right. In terms of a breakout player, I have a funny feeling we'll have the same player. But at the same time, we could have a different player. All right. One, two, three, Jalen Forbes. See, I think that we actually have a different one. I want you to explain yours first. Let's hear yours. I guess the only reason why I have Jalen Forbes is because he is not nationally known. I mean, this is a guy – or not – sorry, yeah. Jalen Cook finished on the first team All-AAC last year. So, in my opinion, I feel like teams are going to game plan for him specifically – and that's going to leave a lot more room for Jalen Forbes to break out. Um, I think it's really just based on that assessment. I think that Jalen Cook's probably the better player, but he's already kind of broken out. I think that 
Jalen Forbes has room to still break out. So that's why I have him as my breakout player. See, this might not be a breakout, but Khalif Battle from Temple. Wow. He averaged 21 points a game before his foot injury. So if he can stay healthy, he leads this conference. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I, I didn't consider Temple a tournament team, like not even close. But... I, well, you didn't say tournament team. You just said breakout player. Yeah, no, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I didn't even look into Temple that much, and I, I, I forgot the Khalif battle existed. So that's a pretty good breakout player. All right. Well, I mean, Ethan, do you have anything else to go over with this conference? Overall, I think I think we can both agree. I think only two teams make it. I think we have two definites, obviously Houston, and then. Um, I'm not calling Memphis a definite. That's I what I'm think, saying. I think we, I think we have a definite between Memphis and Cincinnati, although both of them aren't definite for sure. I think we do have two bids from the AAC, though. Agreed. I think but, we have two to four. Two to four. Heavy on two, maybe three. Absolute maximum five, because you never know. But no, I'm I, calling, no maximum four. Yeah, that's probably right. Absolute maximum four. That's, that's probably right. If we're saying maximum five, and that means we didn't do enough research into the other ones that we couldn't say that there's two sleepers. <laughs> so yeah. I doubt there's five because I spent a solid two hours researching. That's the same here. Yeah, but I mean, you never. I mean, the only reason why I say five is because you never know. Because you know, you you could see these teams have really good out of conference, and they, you know, March Madness feels favorably towards them because they're. On the on the verge of being a power six conference, so I, I was just saying five because you never know. But yeah, four sounds a lot better. <laughs> All right, well, sounds like it's gonna be the end of the episode. Uh, make sure you guys check out our social media. You guys already know the drill on those, the handles on those. And without further ado, we will see you guys next episode. Goodbye.